produced by Life Acumen. Helping organizations build high-performance culture. The debate around 360-degree feedback is not new. Over the last several decades, a good deal of research has been done on how to get employees to improve performance and the role feedback plays in it. But of late, this debate has taken on new intensity, thanks to the well-publicized culture of radical transparency at Bridgewater Associates and the intense and real-time 360s at Netflix. This seems to be fostering a belief in the corporate world that the way to improve performance in companies is through frequent, tough, candid, and often critical feedback. Behind this fervor over the approaches of Bridgewater and Netflix, we are missing a crucial question. Do feedback reviews help employees perform at their best? Welcome to Life Acumen at Work. Here is your host, Vinod Wadwani. Hi, I'm your host Vinod Vadwani here and this is episode number 17 of Life Acumen at Work. I'm an executive coach and in this podcast series, I share perspectives from my coaching conversations with corporate executives on topics having to do with leadership, work-life harmony and transitions. In this episode, we will explore what is the issue with feedback reviews and why 360 reviews may be more noise than truth. Would it be too presumptuous of me to say that you were looking for help? That you hoped you would hear somebody who had something to say that would be of help and relevance? Is this man going to tell me something that will help me to change myself? so that I will be a more creative and cooperative member of the human race. I would like to improve. What is the issue with feedback reviews if they are used to improve performance? Well, while addressing the issue with feedback reviews, we have to look at what feedback means to people and what happens when they are given feedback. Feedback generally tends to focus on people's shortcomings in the garb of providing constructive criticism. When people are given critical feedback, the brain perceives it as a threat and the limbic part of the brain lights up. This is the fight or flight system which muffles other parts of the brain to focus on the information most necessary for survival. When your brain's limbic system pushes you into a survival mode, your cognitive and emotional ability gets impaired. And research also suggests focusing people on their flaws impairs learning. Isn't it that we humans crave feedback? That's a myth. We do not crave feedback. What we crave is attention. The difference between feedback and attention is that feedback tends to focus on shortcomings and has a negative undertone, while attention tends to be more constructive and a positive feeling. That's the reason we humans seek and crave attention because it makes us feel good and is welcoming, while feedback makes us miserable and is perceived as a threat. 
So if feedback is perceived as a threat, how do managers point to employees when they are not performing well and push them to do better? Well, managers don't have to ignore poor performance. They can help their employees improve not by pointing to their shortcomings, but focusing on what they are doing well and how to turn that up. By focusing on their mistakes, you may get them to make less mistakes, but not without denting their confidence. But won't employees prefer the manager tell them something that they are doing wrong rather than what they are doing right? Yes, it's an interesting dichotomy because on the outside, employees may seem that they want critical feedback. But in reality, what they're seeking is a reassurance that they are not doing the wrong thing. So, employees do seek information about how they can perform more effectively, but they want it delivered in a way that is not insensitive and doesn't frighten them. Going back to an earlier point that employees crave attention and not feedback. Any suggestions for managers? Well, we are social beings and seeking attention is a basic need. Our brain perceives attention positively and great managers understand and appreciate this fundamental need of employees. What effective managers do is to have regular conversations with employees, paying attention to their needs and their performance, discussing constructive ideas, providing positive reinforcement. And by the way, if in one of those regular meetings, the manager wants to pass on some kind of a corrective feedback, the employee sees it as no big deal. And in fact, doesn't even perceive it as a feedback, but as a constructive observation made by the manager for employee's betterment. But the challenge in most corporates is that instead of having these regular meetings, managers do once a year or six monthly performance reviews which are also, by the way, doubled up as feedback sessions, focusing on what shortcomings and behaviors the employee needs to remedy to improve performance. Three sixty reviews are well entrenched in performance review systems of companies. Then why the skepticism around their utility? If you look at performance review systems, whether it is a 360 or any other rating system, the fundamental question is how reliable is this data on which companies develop, promote or fire employees and whether this data is actually measuring what it says it's measuring. The underlying premise that companies are working on while pushing the 360 data and rating to employees is as though human beings can be reliable raters of other human beings. So 360 feedback rating is not reliable because it is based on people's subjective opinions? Yes, that is one reason. The other reason is that a 360 review typically measures abstract qualities like business acumen, strategic thinking, assertiveness, etc. Research done in the field of psychometrics has shown that people don't possess the objective ability to have a uniform definition of an abstract quality like assertiveness or strategic thinking and then accurately rate someone else on it. Does our evaluation of others tainted by our own understanding of these abstract qualities? 
Not only that, they tend to be deeply tainted by our own sense of what good looks like for a certain quality or personality traits which may cause us to be harsh or lenient as raters and our own unconscious biases. This phenomena is uh, called the idiosyncratic rater effect. Research suggests that due to idiosyncratic rater effect, majority of the rating given to someone else reflects our own characteristics. This results in a systematic error which gets amplified when ratings are considered in aggregate. In other words, 360 feedback is more noise than truth. In fact, recipients have to struggle through this maze of distortion in search of something that they recognize as themselves. Does it mean 360 reviews are meaningless and companies will eventually move away from them? Well, given the popularity of 360 reviews in talent development and performance review systems of companies, they will not move away in a hurry. And though 360 reviews are not completely meaningless, but they are not a source of truth either, if done in traditional ways. I have seen in my coaching engagements that majority of times, the executive receiving the feedback knows what the respondent's feedback will be. And it doesn't come as a surprise. Isn't it that 360 reviews uncover a person's blind spots? Well, as I said earlier, that majority of times the 360 review does not reveal any new information that the receiver does not already know. Even if uh, we go with the premise that a 360 review uncovers a person's blind spots, which mostly tend to be person's shortcomings or what are commonly called areas of development in a 360 report. The question to ask is whether highlighting one's shortcomings as other people perceive them nurtures or impairs learning. As stated earlier, the brain receives these perceptions of other people as threat and activates our limbic system into fight-or-flight response, which impairs our learning. So should 360 reviews not uncover an employee's blind spots? Well, they should uncover blind spots only when they are fatal flaws and not some abstract areas of development. How can we make 360 reviews more meaningful? To make it more meaningful, it has to focus on two things. It has to be feet forward and not backward looking, reflecting upon past behavior. The second thing is it has to focus on identifying strengths and how we can leverage them better. Richard Boyadze's in his research paper, Neuroscience and Leadership, The Promise of Insights, suggests that focusing on strengths stimulates growth of new neurons in adults and triggers a sense of well-being, better immune system functioning and cognitive, emotional and perceptual openness. What findings such as these suggest that learning happens when we see how we might do something better by adding some new nuance or an extension to our own understanding and not by focusing on our shortcomings and certainly not on someone else's perceptions of what we are doing poorly. And second, that we learn most when someone in a position of influence pays attention to what's working within us and pushes us to nurture it intelligently. 
Listeners interested in the topic of workplace incivility can listen to episode number 16 on why leaders need to be mindful about how they are treating employees. Listeners interested on the topic of imposter syndrome could listen to episode number 9 on the pitfalls of imposter syndrome and episode number 12 on how to overcome imposter syndrome. As I wind up this episode, I would like to remind listeners that you can tune into all episodes of Life Acumen at Work on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thank you for listening. Produced by Life Acumen. Helping organizations build high performance culture.